0: Tim, I enjoy you. I love you in the Lord. You know that. We got a little, just a little card that we want to give. We'll give the, we'll give the card to Linda. Tim, you come and preach for us tonight. Thank you so much, brother. God bless you. Thank you, Pastor. I hate hugging big guys. I was just going to say, you're not getting away without a hug. So so I'm going (laughs) to love you, brother. Love you too, Pastor. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. You know. I've been privileged to preach a couple times since I've been here. And um, I was just getting to the point where I wasn't so nervous. And then tonight, people showed up. (laughs) So like we had Adam told me, we have 48 people, which is the biggest crowd that I ever had when I had to preach. So, um, So maybe I'll be a little nervous. I'll try not to be. Thank you for the kind words. And, you know, pastor always talks about I you always know, mentioned how much of a blessing that we've been to him, but really the truth is, him and this church have been a blessing to us. And just being here and being spending the time with him and getting to know him and um, having his counsel and his input and has helped me grow and in ways that um, I couldn't—not that I couldn't, but probably wouldn't if I wasn't here. And so it's been a blessing to me. It's, it's been a huge blessing to me. And Tim, you know, you said, I appreciate that, you know, what you said, always being here. And, you know, even though we're going home, we're in Virginia, it's only 650 miles away. So um, I'm, if you ever need me, of course, I can, I'll still be here. But um, tonight, I want to talk about love. And, you know, it's, isn't it awesome how God works? Because a week and a half or so ago, pastor asked me if I would preach tonight, being my last night. And so I, you know, started looking at this, this subject of love. And then in the middle of the week, I started preparing the Sunday school lesson, and it completely tied in with this. It was, you know, I mean, that's, that's definitely from God. But um, when I want to talk about love, about godly love. And the word love is found 281 times in the King James Bible, and that's just the base word love. When you add, you know, lovest, beloved, uh, loved, then it's well over 300. So it's clear that the, the subject of love is important. It's important to God, and it should be important to God's people, too. So um, we're going to look at that tonight. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, thank you so much, Lord, for allowing me to be here for these past months. Lord, I thank you for all the blessings that you give every day to me and to my wife. Lord, I pray that you would be with me tonight as I speak, as I talk about your word, Lord, that you would hold me back from saying anything that isn't true, Lord, speak through me, I I pray, Lord. Pray that you would be in hearts and minds, that you would open them to receive the word, and that we can look at it, Lord, to not only to learn and to grow, but, Lord, of course, to worship and to praise you for how awesome you are, how much you love us. I thank you so much for it. and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm going to start out. Our text verse is from John chapter 21, and we're going to look at verse 15 to 17. But before I do that, I'm going to look at Matthew. I'm going to read Matthew, Matthew 22, 37 and 38, which of course probably everybody's familiar with, right? It's the great, the great commission. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and all thy soul in all thy mind. This is the first and the great commandment. And the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. So who is, who is thy neighbor? That, that's the question that comes, comes up first. And I think that our neighbor is everyone. Everyone we encounter is our neighbor. In, in the context of this scripture. And so let's go to John 21, 13, I'm gonna read 15 through 17. So now here we are, this is the third time Jesus reveals himself after the resurrection. And he's at the shore of the Sea of Galilee and Peter and John and the disciples are fishing and they've been fishing all night and they haven't caught any fish. Again, many of you know the story. Jesus says, "From the shore, cast your net on the other side of the boat," and they do. And of course, I mean, it makes complete sense. You move your nets four feet over, you're gonna, there's gonna be tons of fish, right? So they they are obedient. And they do it, and they have so much fish they can't even drag the nets in. And so Jesus is on the shore, and he's preparing fish. He's preparing a breakfast for the disciples, and he yells out to them and. I think it was John who first recognized him as the Lord. And so when he says, that's the Lord, what does Peter do? He jumps in the water and he swims in. Now, Peter was always impetuous, right? Remember in the garden, he pulled out his sword and he cut off the tip of the air, the guard. He kind of always acted, acted before he thought a lot of times. And so... Peter is the one that denied Christ three times. So I think about that, like, why? He, he certainly wasn't a coward. And, and, you know, with the sword in the garden, if, if Jesus had turned to Peter and said, go get him, he would have thrashed his way through that, through that crowd of guards and died probably. You know, he, Peter was not a coward. He was impetuous. But uh, at the moment, at the, you know, on Calvary, he, on the way to Calvary, he denied Christ three times as he predicted he would. And so here in these scriptures, we're gonna see the restoration of Peter to the ministry, to his apostle to, to his apostleship. And it's important because it's also interesting that in this scripture Jesus gives Peter three chances. Just like he had three chances when he he denied him three times, he's going to give him three chances in his reaffirmation. And I think that's significant. So they come in, they eat, and after dinner, they sit back. And I'm going to begin in verse 15. So when they had dined, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He said unto him, Feed my lambs. He saith unto him the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feedeth my sheep. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus said unto him, feed my sheep. So in verse 15, he asks him, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? So more than these. Lovest thou me more than these? What's he mean by more than these? So in studying for this, there's several expositors that I like to study, read after when I study. And they seem to be kind of divided on this point. And so that always like triggers my mind, like how am I going to know? because that's important. It's important for me because I'm not a preacher and I'm not a pastor. So when I try to preach, when I preach the word of God, it's very important to get it right and to not make any mistakes. And I hope and I pray that I can do that. And so when I see that, you know, more than these, what does that mean? Well, so the school's pretty, pretty evenly divided. And two expositors that I read after quite a bit are Warren Worsby and J. Vernon McGee. And both of them assert that because Peter is boastful, he's asking him, Christ is asking Peter, lovest thou me more than these other disciples that are here today? More than they love me? But other other expositors think that he's saying, lovest thou me more than these, more than, more than you love them, more than you love your livelihood, your fishing boats, your net, because in that context, these can be anything. They can be anything in our lives. They can be money, and quite often are right. Quite, quite often it is money. What will we sacrifice to get close to Jesus? Will we sacrifice our ability to make extra money? Will we sacrifice, you know, the ball game that may be coming on after the service, right, on Sunday? What are we willing to sacrifice? So he could be asking him that. And so we've seen before, and this is where, you know, I'm cautious because I don't know for sure. So the answer, so if the question is, what did he mean by lovest thou me? The real answer for me is I don't know. But I think and and, and I believe because it's come up in other studies, there's a literal and an allegorical application and meaning to a lot of scripture. And so it's quite possible that the answer is, it means both. It means one sense in the literal form Here on this day, being boastful and being the impetuous Peter and who you are, do you love me more than these guys do? Because that's really what you claimed, right? So that could be the literal. The allegorical could be the other stuff. Lovest thou me more than these? These what? These everything in my life. And so I think that that's true, but I have to preface it by saying I don't know that, and it doesn't say it. And so I think that's where it kind of leads, that's what leads me into that, because when it doesn't say specifically, then, well, two things, like maybe it's not super important, or maybe it is important, and it's just a mystery like this, like it's literal and allegorical. There are certain things, like if you were to ask what must I do to be saved, there's, there's only one right answer. There's no room to speculate. There's no room to consider literal versus allegorical. It's, the answer is direct and it's either right or it's wrong. And in, in this case, as in many cases, that's not always the case. So we see the word love. The Greek have three words to describe the word love. So they use eros. Which is a a of physical, sensual love. And really, if you, if you really look at it, it's really not a love. It's more of a lust. So and, and in this these verses of scriptures, we're not going to look at that one, but it's important just to define it. That's the lowest form of love. The next the next highest one is phileo. Now phileo is the love, it's a kindly affection. It's a love that we would have for a brother or a sister. It's a love that a father or mother would have for their child. Because unsaved people can love. My, I grew up in an unsaved home. I, I know my mother loved me. But that was that phileo love. The highest form of love is agape, agape love. And so that's a divine love. That's a godly love, God-centered love. It's often, and many times, it's in the form of a commandment, as we see in that Matthew 22, right? You know, thou shalt. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy mind, with all thy soul. Thou shalt. It's not an option. That's a command. That's the divine godly love. I believe that unsaved people can't exhibit or know agape love because it comes from God and it's of God. And so, and if we look in our Bibles, if we have like a Strong's Concordance, it, breaks the designations down. And so agape love is its the highest form of love. It's Strong's G25. Phileo love is that human love. That's uh, Strong's G5368. So in these three verses of scripture, when in the first verse in 15, Christ says, Peter... Agape, thou me, and Peter says, "Yes, Christ, yes, Master, I, I, I flail thee." And he asks him again, Peter, agape, thou me? Yes, I flail thee, I flail thou thee. And then the third time, he comes down and he comes down to his level and he says, Peter, flail thou me. And Peter says, yes, Lord, you know that I do. And there's the truth, right? Peter knew that he failed Christ by denying him three times. He he can't lie. He couldn't lie to him. He couldn't tell him, I agape thou thee, because he didn't understand that. And, And the concordance designations bear that out if you look at them in the scripture, but That love, see, isn't that true today for all of us? Christ sets a standard as he does for love. Love, to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and all thy mind and all thy soul. Can we as humans even understand that? Can we achieve it? Well, like in many cases, with the standard that God sets, we fall short. We can't, we can't achieve that standard. And so Christ is giving Peter, as he does with Christians every day, he gives us the chance to rise and meet his standard. Probably knowing, I'd say definitely knowing, that we're not going to be able to meet it. And he gives Peter two chances to rise and meet his standard, and Peter doesn't, he can't do it. And so on the third verse, he comes down to Peter's level and there's the truth. Then he gets to the truth, right? And isn't that true for us, right? Christ gives us the chance many times in our daily devotions, in our Christian walk, in the way we interact with others to come up and to meet him at the standard that he sets for us. But in the end, he's a merciful God, he will come down and he will meet us on our level. That doesn't mean his standard changes. It just means that in his mercy, he's realizing we're flawed, we're we're humans, and that's just the way it's going to be. And in doing this with Peter, he restores him to his ministry. He restores him to his apostleship. And so, you know, if we look at What it means to love like God? Again, we can't. We can't really, I don't think, fully understand it, or or, you know, fully grasp what it means. Which which happens a lot of times in in the scripture, and in these these mysteries, these concepts. Like love isn't such a mystery, right? But that depth of love, we have to try to meet that standard. We have to try to do better and have to try to be better every day. Right? We don't we don't ever settle. But at the same time, realistically, we're probably never going to rise to the level that Christ, ex, you know, expects people to or not that he expects us even really to do it, but the standard that he sets cuz we are human and we do fall short and that's going to probably always be true. If we look at Another example of that, agape love, John 13, 34, 35, he says, a new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. So the key, you know, is as I have loved you. By this, all men shall know that ye are my disciples if you have love for one another. Now, when I first read that, I thought, it fit into the phileo because it's love for one another, but it's really not because it's, as I have loved you, it's a godly love, it's a divine love. And so often those things are interchangeable. They're often, they're they're used interchangeably. Um, Again, you know, an unsaved person can love their kids. Well, a Christian, a good Christian parent will love their kids But that will encompass both phileo and agape love, if they're doing it right. Because sure, they love them them in the context of human relationship, but they also love them in a godly, divine way as well. Because if they put God first, if they, going back to Matthew 22, if we as parents, if we love our kids if we try to love him with that agape love, if we put Christ first in our homes in our marriages and raising our children, if we love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and all thy soul and all thy mind, then we will do that, right? We really, the question comes down to like, do you love God? Do you love Christ more than you love your wife? More than you love your kids? more than you love yourself? Well, clearly by that, by that scripture, the answer should be yes. And so if it is truly yes, that's agape love. If it's not truly yes, then that love is just flail love. It's on a different level. And so it's important to designate that, or to know that, because if we wanna grow into that, if we wanna grow toward God's standard, then we have to understand that so um, to love like God, again, can we even understand it? Can we even really fully grasp it? You know, there's theory versus practice. So just kind of on a personal note, I grew up in an unsaved home. My parents were, and my dad passed away in 2012, he was unsaved. And so did he love me? I believe he did. I know he did. Now he wasn't the kind of person that could show love. He was a hard person. But he got up every day, went to work, provided, you know, gave us everything we needed. He there was love there. But it certainly wasn't agape love. He didn't love the Lord that God with all his heart, with all his mind, or with all his soul. But he still loved. We have to we learn and teach witness by example, right? So I took electrical in a state technical high school many moons ago. And we had, when we were in our shop rotation, every day for one hour, we went in a theory room. It was a little tiny room, maybe three times the size of the cry room, no exaggeration. 20 kids went in there and just the physical thing of being in there was brutal. But we learned theory of electricity. We learned Ohm's law, you know, Kirchhoff's law, all these other scientific truths that go along with the science of electricity. But when we came out of there, we went into the shop and we went out onto the jobs that we worked on and we got a practical knowledge. We worked with upperclassmen who knew more that could show us and guide us. We worked with instructors that knew more that could show us and guide us. And really, I make the correlation to the Christian life, it it could kind of be the same thing. For me, it has been the same thing. And we, I, can study and can read the Word of God and can sometimes understand things sometimes not, sometimes think I understand things and learn later that I didn't have it right because really it's a, the whole, my whole entire life will be a learning experience. But this is the theory of it. This is the theory of Christianity and not theory like the Big Bang Theory, like a theory, it's proven. I'm not saying it's a theory. It's solid, pro- it's solid. But it's theory in that it's a practical, academic knowledge. But when I step forth into the world, then I want to have and I want to give that practical knowledge. So, you know, I was planning on there only being a handful of people here tonight, and so I was really going to get personal with some people. And now I'm kind of maybe a little apprehensive of that, but I'm still gonna do it because that's what I prepared and otherwise I'm, I'm done. But, you know, I look around this room and I see that in people and I have I have seen it and I've learned from people. I I look at, I'm gonna embarrass Alicia because I know, you know that I have to embarrass you. <laughs> but I, just because Alicia spends a lot of time with my wife, and so I hear her stories, and I, I kind of just got to know her in that time. She was like the employee of the month several times at work. She's witnessing to people at work. She's witnessing the one guy who, you know, he's, he doesn't do the right thing. He doesn't act right. He swears. He smokes. He doesn't have a good work ethic. And he says to her one day, there's something different about you that's taking the theory out of the theory room and putting it into the shop because that's how that person because let's be honest that person may never come to a church may never have the word of God may never know the love of good people but he's fortunate enough to work with Alicia, and that will stay with him and it does stay with him and sometimes he can even be insulting probably to her Now, why does she do that? Does she do it because she said, hey, this is a great guy, and I really love him in an earthly, brotherly love, and I really want to help him, and I really... Well, yeah, probably partially, but really, more accurately, she's doing it because she loves the Lord with all her heart, all her mind, and all her soul. She's doing it because she's trying to fulfill that commandment to be that Christian that Christ wants her to be. You know, why I'm on Alicia, I got one more story. When Linda was in Virginia, Alicia came to me one day and she says, you know, I just feel like I have to make you a meal for, you know, Wednesday. I'll make you a meal on Wednesday night and I'll bring it in. And so she did. And so, okay, I didn't go to the grocery store until my wife came back in September. And I know that Sarah and Carlene helped her, but she brought meals every single time she came here. And if she knows me, like she probably does because she knows my wife and I'm sure it came up, going to the grocery store is like, I'd rather be under the lights with bamboo in my fingernails in a Vietnamese (laughs) prison than go to the grocery store. When I go to the grocery store, my goal is get in and out as quick as possible. I park my cart at the end of the aisle. I run up, get what I need. And you know, I just, and I'll get the same exact stuff my wife will get. We'll have identical baskets and hers will be $48 and mine will be 96. Cause I don't compare like, well, this one's, let me get my calculator. This one comes down to 32 cents. Listen, get me out of here. So that, so Alicia preparing that, those meals was a huge, I can't even say huge long enough or with enough accent of how huge of a blessing it was for me. Why did she do that? Was she at home one day and said, boy, that Tim's just a great guy. I just want to, you know, I just want to make him meals. And well, and again, that could have been part of it because let's face it, of course I'm a great guy. (laughs) But really, she did it because she loves the Lord more than anything else. And she wanted to fulfill that commandment. And, sh- and so she, that's again, taking the theory out into the shop and putting it into practice. I watched Jaden come and shovel. I watched Jaden come anytime pastor has ever called Jaden and asked for help. He's been here. And he doesn't do that because he loves shoveling, Right. He does it because he loves the Lord. Anne comes and cleans, and she's behind the scenes quite a bit, and I think she likes it that way, and I don't want to embarrass her, but she does probably the lion's share of the cleaning around here. Now, does she do it because she just loves the smell of bleach on her hands? No. She does it because she loves the Lord, because she's got the heart of a servant. She wants to love. You know, and there's deacons, there's ushers, there's piano players, there's singers, they do those things because they love the Lord. And so that's trying to meet that standard. That's agape love, right? They're not, if, if they're doing it for the right reasons, that's what it is. If I, trust me, nobody wants me to sing. If I come and sing because pastor asked me to, and I really like pastor and I wanna make him happy, well, that's, that's phileo love. I love him, and I want to do what he wants me to do because I want to make him happy. There's nothing wrong with that. It's not bad, but it doesn't meet the standard for agape love. I'm not doing it because I love the Lord, but when we do things out of service, then, then we are starting to meet that standard. And so there's, you know, there's several I can go on and on. I mean, April in the sound booth. Again, Adam, you know, the Kevin and the guys doing the watchman, keeping everybody safe. There's other cleaners besides Ann. I see Kurt and Lisa and Elena and, you know, the list goes on, right? But that's, that's agape love. I've been here for 15 months And I've had the pleasure and the privilege to get to know many people and to get to know Pastor Schott. I got saved in 2012. I started coming here in 2011. And I know in a lot of ways I'm still a giant knucklehead. But trust me, I was a giant knucklehead. If you look up knucklehead in the dictionary, I'm being kind to myself by saying that before I was saved. So I could come and I could read and I could be in Bible class and I could hear preaching. That's the theory. But see, I've had the opportunity in the past 15 months to get to know everybody better. And because even through the years, I would come on Sunday and I would come on Wednesday night if I wasn't working, but you come and you go and you don't really, I won't say, I always have a tendency of saying you don't, but really what I mean to say is I don't because I'm talking about me. I didn't really grow as much as I should have. Why was that? Because I didn't love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy mind, and all my soul, right? But you know what, when we see examples of that, I see it in Pastor Shah. I don't wanna embarrass him, I know he's super humble, but I've been here for 15 months, and I saw it years ago, I know, I don't wanna be redundant. I know I told the story before. When I was coming here, first started coming here, I was at an extremely low point in my life. I ended up living in Pastor Schott's basement apartment. And one day after Sunday service, evening service, he says to me, what are you doing? You wanna go for a ride? I said, sure, what do do I got to do? Let's go for a ride. We get in the car, it's like, where are we going? Oh, Pennsylvania. So we drive four hours to Pennsylvania and back at back at four in the morning. What, What was our mission? There was a gentleman who was in college whose dad died in a car crash. They lived locally. He died in a car crash. The mother called. I'm sure I wasn't privileged to the conversation, but I'm willing to bet she was pretty distraught. My son's coming from college in Alabama, Tennessee, and he's in Pennsylvania. His car broke down. They took it out behind the barn and shot it. It got the last rights from the mechanic. Now he has no money. He's in Pennsylvania with his backpack and his suitcase, and here we are at home. My husband just died four hours ago in this horrific crash. I don't know what to do. What does Pastor say? We're gonna go get him. Simple as that. Never even thought. Now, now, mind you, this, this young man wasn't a member of this church. And really potentially wasn't ever gonna be a member. He was making a life somewhere else in the country. Why did he do it? Why? And, and you know, that was the first example I saw of that agape love. And it st- struck me and it stuck with me because in my mind back then, I don't even know if I was saved at that point. If not, it was close. I don't remember, I was coming a year, I think I was saved because by the time I started living with him, I think I was saved. But if not, it was very close. But there was a lot of stuff I didn't understand, even more than there is today. But I remember that stuck out in my mind. Like I'm thinking to myself, if I was stuck in Tennessee, or I'm sorry, Pennsylvania, is there anybody in the world that would come get me? I don't think my own brother would come. Well, maybe he would. You know, I don't know. I don't want to throw him under the bus, but I'm not 100% sure. But Pastor Schott didn't really have any connection to this guy, really. He was somebody that attended our church decade, decade ago, or I don't know, years, years ago. But he got up and he went. And that stuck with me forever. It stuck with me still today because then I'm here, and we talked about it this morning in Sunday school, right? Interruptions. People that will come in and suck the oxygen out of the room and then complain they can't breathe. I, I struggle to tolerate. I don't have, I don't meet that standard. I fail. I get frustrated. I, I say, how can you come without an appointment and sit at his desk for three hours and tell him every misery you ever had in your life? Don't you realize he's got something to do? That's me. I'm a failure. He doesn't think like that. He welcomes them. That's his ministry. He loves everybody. And he doesn't pretend to love those people. That's the key, and that's what I figured out. He doesn't pretend to love them. He loves them. And I've gotten to know many people here, and that's true for a lot of them. And I've really gotten to know that in the 15 months that I've been here. And in a lot of ways, Pastor Schott, not directly, well, directly, but it wasn't his intent. But by watching him, by his example, he taught me what it means to love. Of course, my wife, I know, loves me. And she, thankfully... She loves the Lord more than she loves me, and I know that, and I'm thankful for a wife like that, and she's taught me a lot about love, and Pastor Sha, because really, I was learning those things from him before I even knew my wife. In, in a lot of ways, he was the first one, and the one who really, really taught me what it means to love others as we love ourselves. That's the second greatest commandment, right? And why do you do that? Because you got the first one figured out, because you love the Lord your God with, thy God with all your heart, mind, and soul. And so, you know, being here these 15 months was one of the biggest privileges of my life. And pastor will say, you know, I said it before, and he, he says, you know, it's been such a blessing having you here. It, not as nearly as much of a blessing for me as, as it's been for me being here. Because that's so valuable and it's so important and it's so precious to me. The pastor has shared things that he's had visions. He has a vision. He had a vision for this church. He's the first one to say, This isn't my church, this is God's church, right? Well, yeah, it's God's church, but God grew it with his sweat and his blood and his tears. And his joy. And so, yeah, it's God's church. But he has shared before with me that, and with many people, these aren't secrets that I'm revealing, that he wanted to build a Christian school. He wanted to build a gymnasium. He wanted to get land and have a cemetery for our members. And now, with everything going on, he's starting to maybe realize that wasn't or isn't going to be part of God's plan. And I won't say wasn't, because that's final, because it's not over yet. Maybe it still is. But I think he's starting to see for the first time, maybe not for the first time, but maybe that wasn't God's plan. Maybe that's not going to be his legacy. But when I think of Pastor Shot, and when I think of Harvest Baptist Church, and the people here, the legacy is much as the ministry is. This is a ministry of love. This is a, a ministry of a pastor that truly loves and people that truly love each other. And that's going to be his legacy. And that is already his legacy. And so that's way more important than a place to play basketball or hold classes or bury our dead. And those things can be important, but we can hold classes in the basement or in the kitchen or up at the pavilion. I mean, not having a school is not going to stop us from teaching people the word of God. Love, the ability to love people goes so much further That endeavor, and anybody that knows him knows people here knows that that's true. Knows that there's love. It's it's profoundly amazing to me the depth that he it can love people, and the depth that he does love people. And I really promised myself I wasn't going to get emotional. I'm going to try not to, but. Again, I'm not worshiping him. I'm not glorifying him. Why does he love people the way he does? Because he loves the Lord with all his heart, all his mind, and all his soul. And if he didn't, he couldn't love the way he loves. So yes, he is that man that does that, that loves in that capacity. But it's because of God It's not because of him. And he'd be the first one to tell you that. And so, so these 15 months have been a blessing to me. And getting to know each and every one of you on a deeper level has been a blessing to me as well. And it's one that I'm going to remember for the rest of my life. And we can apply that love to each other. We can apply it to people that we meet, to God, from God, to all of our family here, and to people everywhere. And that's what it means to be a Christian. And that's what it means to love the way that God wants us to love, to just get up every day and keep trying to do it better and be better at it and know that God's mercy will always be there for us even when we fail which if you're me that happens quite a bit and and I think not to go back but I'm gonna for a minute that's how we grow we grow by realizing our own inadequacies and me sitting next to Pastor Shaw and watching him shines a light on my inadequacy and that helps me to want to be a better person and That's all I could do is try to do that and try to try to follow that example, and it'll be with me forever, for for forever. So I just want you to know I love you all. I love you, Pastor. I love my time here. I enjoyed being here so much, and I thank you all, everybody, for everything you've done for me and for my wife while we're here, while we were here, and appreciate your prayers for our safety as we travel and. Just, just thank you so much. Just going to close in a word of prayer. Lord, Lord, I thank you for the love of these people. I thank you for the love that is Harvest Baptist Church. And just pray, Lord, that you would show me and teach me how to be a better person, how to love more, how to exhibit that agape love. Lord, I know I fail, but Lord, I just pray that you keep working on me. Lord, I pray that you work in hearts and minds here to receive your word. I thank you for all you do here in this ministry and in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.